God, all these prayers and the ones we hold within our, within our bodies, God, deeply and preciously, God, we say thank you. And thank you for all the gifts you bestow. Thank you for the ways that you change us and transform us into your image. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your grace. God, you are good. You are beautiful. God, we worship you this morning with all of who we are. In the glorious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It's wonderful to see you guys this morning. My name's Tony. If you're new visiting, we're glad to have you here. Good to have you. Uh, you are in for a treat this morning. One, we have John Wineglass on the organ. Was that awesome or what? More, more to come in the second half. Uh, I just, I love the hope. Early on when we first started, uh, launched the replant here about two years ago, like our hope was to have the organ sort of built into the worship because you can feel it, right? Like you can literally like the ground shakes when the organ's playing. I love it. Um, good to have you guys this morning. So today we're doing a slightly different, every, basically every quarter, we do what we call a family service. And one of the reasons we do this is to recognize that this gathering on Sunday morning at 1015 is not just for people over, you know, 15 and up, right? This isn't just for adults. This isn't just for youth. This is for all of us. That God's family, right, doesn't have sort of a, an, an, a, a height requirement to come in. So what we do is we create space once a quarter for the whole family to come together and worship Jesus together, be together. And one of the hopes is that as we do this over time, that the kids who are among us now feel like this is their place, right? So as they get older and older, they feel like, you know what, this is my church, this isn't just a place where the adults come to gather and I go to my class, you know, but they come in here and they say, this is my pew. This is my chair. This is where I worship Jesus. So that's why we do this. And what we're going to do this morning will be a little different. We're going to celebrate two milestones to start. In the life of faith, just as in sort of any human life, family life, biological life, there are milestones, right? Most of us know about birth, right? As a milestone, we celebrate birthdays. Right? Anniversaries, weddings, right? John and Amy just celebrated their 25th wedding anniversary, which is awesome. Right? We celebrate those moments. And the same is true in the life of faith. Right? We celebrate those moments as we develop and grow. On Easter, we celebrated uh, baptisms, right? A massive milestone in the life of faith. And today we're going to celebrate two in particular. Uh, I'm going to invite up a couple families. We're going to do child dedications. This is a time when families come up with their kids and they make some promises to their kids in the presence of the community to God. Kind of like at a wedding, right? There's a reason we don't do weddings uh, in the church, like one-on-one -on -one with a pastor in a room, right? We do it as a community because the promises we make to God are made in community and fundamentally they are lived out in community. That is as true in marriage as it is in parenting. So one of the reasons we do this in front of the gathered community is to say, hey, we're not just doing this on our own. We're doing this together. 
And we're also going to recognize some of the transitions happening in our middle school and our high school. To say, hey, these are big, this is a big deal when you move on in transition. So we're going to have a moment this morning where we're going to bring up some of the middle schoolers and high schoolers that are transitioning, and we're going to recognize that moment. And then rather than doing a sermon, we're going to do a little panel thing this morning, which I think will be fun and will allow us again to recognize the multiple voices in this place, that it is not just the, you know, the paid staff or the pastor that shapes formation, but we all do. And we're going to invite some other voices up to speak into sort of core and elemental practices of the Christian faith. So with that said, we're going to start with uh, child dedication. So I want to invite up the Maddox family and the Millers. If you guys want to give them a round of applause, they come up. Yeah, that's great. There we go. A little papa throw, make them comfortable. There we go. So what we're going to do is maybe just um, introduce, maybe the Maddoxes can start, just sort of introduce yourselves and the kiddos, and then you guys can say your dedication, and then the Millers can go, and then I'll just sort of pray, say a prayer over all of us. Is that okay? Uh, well, I'm Aaron, and this is my wife, Cheyenne, and our little daughter, Sienna, who's four, and our son, Kaysen, right here, who's uh, just turned two. Yeah, why don't we do that? Sienna and Kaysen, you are wonderfully made good gifts given by God that we are so grateful for. We celebrate your life and the joy it is to be a part of your growth. While we aren't able to do it perfectly, our deep desire is to love you with the same love that Jesus has loved us with. Our hope and prayer is that this love will fill your hearts and lead you to know and delight in the profound and perfect love of our Heavenly Father. We commit to putting your needs above our own and sacrificing for your good. We commit to providing a safe place and loving you in all situations and without conditions. God, that you, would have, you have sustained these precious lives and allowed us to care for them. We are unspeakably grateful. We joyfully accept the responsibility that Sienna and Kaysen represent to us. We commit to all the work, service, sacrifice, patience, resources, trust, and love it will take to parent these children well. We commit all of this through the moments. Of joy and the times of great hardship. We commit to supporting and praying for one another in our different parenting roles. We pledge that we will align our lives to you as a family, living faithfully before you, seeking out your will, and responding quickly as you lead. We will teach Sienna and Kaysen with diligence, sharing the good news of who you are and all you've done for us throughout our days with them. We will humble ourselves to learn more of your faith, more of your truth, and our need for you through Sienna and Kaysen. All these things we commit to you, God, and to you, Sienna and Kaysen. We ask you, Father, to seal this pledge this morning before our family and community. 
Hello. This is Camelia, my wife. I'm, I'm her husband, Mike. Zane to the right, Han in the middle, and Ezra is right here. He'd like to say a few words, but he's a little gun shy right now. <laughs> Dear Zane, Hannah, and Ezra, you are truly gifts to us, and we are so thankful to God for each of you. Zane, we had never known how sweet life could be until you introduced us to parenthood. Watching you grow into the determined, thoughtful, and loving young man you are has been such a joy to us. Hannah, we have been captivated by your happiness and enthusiasm for life since you were a baby. You are so strong, kind, and creative, and we are delighted by you daily. Ezra, what a sweet and enthusiastic boy you are. You give the best hugs in the world, and we all love your playful imagination and contagious sense of humor. We are humbled by parenting, and we often fail. However, we commit to loving all three of you completely and unconditionally. There is nothing you have to do or achieve to earn our love. You were born into it. We will joyfully make sacrifices and put your needs before our own. Our hope is that even as we make mistakes, you will know that we love you endlessly and that you are worthy of love. We hope that you always remember and know in your heart that God loves you even more than we do. We have committed ourselves as your parents to show you through our words, actions, routines, and family adventures that God is good, loving, and always with us, continually covering us with his grace. Thank you. God, for the amazing gift of these three sweet children you have chosen to give us, we are unspeakably grateful. Thank you for the grace and forgiveness that has brought us this far. Thank you for the love between these siblings and the countless lessons they have taught us. We joyfully accept and res the responsibility that Zane, Hannah, and Ezra represent to us. We commit to all of the work, sacrifice, service, patience, trust, and love it will take to parent them well. We are so grateful for the joy they've brought us so far and commit to loving them even through the challenging times. We commit to support, supporting and praying for each other in our different parenting roles. We pledge that we will live faithfully as a family in your eyes, listening to your voice and responding quickly when you speak. We will teach Zane, Hannah, and Ezra all that we know of who you are and tell them all that you have done for us. We will humble ourselves to learn more of the deep truth about you through Zane, Hannah, and Ezra. All of these things we commit to you, God, and to you, Zane, Hannah, and Ezra. We ask you, Father, to seal this pledge this morning before our family and community. Thank you. If you feel comfortable, I just invite you to just, I'm just going to pray for them, but if you could extend your hand just as a sign of partnership in this prayer. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to be upon these families, to be upon these children. God, that you would give them the grace and the courage and the strength to love as you love, to lead as you lead. God, to be a blessing as you are a blessing. God, give them wisdom. May through the process of parenting, may they know you more. In the process of being parented, may they learn ever more about your character. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Give them a round of applause. Thanks. Whoops, I missed. Here you go. I was supposed to hand these. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, souvenirs for being on the stage. There you go. There you go. So one of the, for those of you, sort of anecdotally, I, this last week I was in the Philippines and um, got to visit one of our partners when we were over there. And 
went out to this village, this tribal environment, and one of the things that's so obvious when you leave our cultural context is that parenting fundamentally does not happen in homes as family units, but happens as a larger community. And it's one of the greater things that we, I think, the lies that we believe in our culture is that, hey, that, you know, I just parent on my own and that family is just what happens inside the walls of this house. But fundamentally, we as the local church, as God's people here, we are raising each other's kids in profound ways. And one of the reasons we do this experience on a Sunday morning is a way to remind us as a gathered body to say, just because you do not have children under 18 in your home does not mean that you do not have some responsibility for the shepherding of the little people in this place. Like God formed the local church, not just as sort of, uh, you know, a bunch of 35-year-olds and then a bunch of 40-year-olds and they did their own church, but he formed an intergenerational community so that we could pass on wisdom across the generations. With that said, I also want to invite up uh, Aaron. Is Aaron in here? Aaron is going to lead us through this next little section uh, for the middle schoolers and the youth. Is it on? It definitely should. There there we goes. Go. There yes. Go. Good morning, church. It's good to see you. I'm the other Aaron in this church. <laughs> I have the joy and pleasure to lead the youth here, if you haven't uh, met me yet. And I actually this morning wanted to call up, as Tony had mentioned before, some of the parents of our youth who are transitioning to other stages from high school to college or to what's next, and from middle school to high school. If you uh, were prepared for that, please come up, bring your child with you. Or child, yes. bring your parents. Yeah, either or way. Or child, bring your parents, whichever one. Yes. Give them a round of applause. Come on up, stand right here. Awesome. If you need to come up to this row too, you can, we can do like a stage thing. There you go. Awesome. Okay. So yes, this morning we uh, wanted to celebrate Taylor and Cameron and Allison and Andrew and Jacob. And we asked uh, the parents to bring a special token with them. So your parents and even some people in this church remember when you were crawling around in these little shoes that your parents brought here. These are the baby shoes from when their children were young. And since the time that they've been, they were crawling around in those shoes, you guys have gone so many different places. You know, your feet have brought you all over. And as your feet have gotten bigger and more mature, so have you. Guys, and so this morning we just wanted to celebrate this transition that you're making, and we also have a kind of special token for all of you, and so if you would open those up, and I'll explain after you're done opening them.
<laughs> are these mine? Yes, they are. <laughs> so, as you can see, they all got a fresh pair of kicks from their parents. And yeah, we wanted, uh, your parents wanted to get you these shoes uh, for the next season of your life that you can take with you wherever it is that uh, you are going. And we also wanted them to be a reminder that even as you go on to the next stage of life, that your parents and we as a community continue to walk with you through that. You're only a phone call away. I'm reminded all the time to call my mom. So remember to call your parents and just, <laughs> just uh, it's good, it's good. Just know that we as a church body love you so much. We celebrate you. It's been um, my honor to get to meet some of you guys and know you guys a little bit better through the last year. And we support you. We love you. We're so excited for you guys. And even though it's sad to leave something that's comfortable and that, that you've known. Um, it's so exciting and joyful to be able to move on to the next uh, stage of life and see what God has for you there. And so uh, just like how we prayed earlier, if you could reach out a hand, and I'm just going to pray over these youth and these families. God, you have given us such good gifts the children of our church are precious in such a special way to us. We love you so much for these blessings. God, and I know this time is hard for some of us as we see um, our children grow and go into a next phase. But I pray that through the sadness God, that you would bring joy to our hearts. God, we are thankful that we have something to be sad about. We have come to know you better through these gifts that you've given us and through this uh, part of life. And we know that you will meet us in the next stage and that there's even more joy to come. God, so we bless you and we praise you and we thank you so much in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for coming up. So we're recognizing this morning various milestones in the life of faith, right? This is child dedications, students going from middle school into high school and high school on to their next chapter. But the other thing we want to do this morning is create a little space rather than have a sermon is actually have a little more of a, a panel discussion. And what we're going to do is we're going to invite, uh, invite Paul Davis up uh, and Jeannie up and Aaron up. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to talk about three questions, particularly uh, and even specifically when it comes to like, hey, you have young kids. What does prayer look like? What does community look like? What does it look like to read the Bible? Or maybe you're uh, in middle school or in high school or in your 20s. What is, how do you sort of approach those different topics? Or you're in the second half of life and you're wondering, all right, what does it look like for me to get more and more out of the scriptures? 
or out of prayer. And so we have different folks that are going to speak into those different areas, particularly scripture, community, and prayer. Uh, so Paul, why don't you come up? And Aaron's up here, and Jeannie will be up here. Do you guys know which mics are which? Yes, I believe so. All right. So we're going to start with Scripture, uh, and the idea is maybe just to give like a quick take, like maybe a practice that has helped you. But before we do that, uh, the kids wanted to share a little bit on their take on the Bible and their favorite stories. I'm Claire and I'm seven. I'm Zane. I'm Ezra. My name's Hannah. My name's Dylan. I'm Josiah. Titus. <laughs> Hi, my name is Claire and I am eight years old. I'm Selena. My name's Brady. Um, I'm five. I'm four. My name is Colin. I'm seven and three quarters. <laughs> My favorite Bible story is when Jesus died for us because he died on the cross for our sins. Yes. That's a good one. Baby number one. The, um, the battle one against the giant. Um, well, I don't have a baby, but I'm sorry, but I have a favorite later, like John. I like think, um, Noah's Ark, just because I think it's a really cool story. Same as same. Same as Ezra. I like Noah's Ark too, because I also think it's a cool story. My name is Cora, and I am seven years old. My name is Malia, and I am nine years old. I think it's important to read the Bible so you learn more about God and Jesus. I think it's important to study the Bible because you're honoring God and learning more about Him. To make a better connection with God. To make a better connection with God. Um, because you get to hear God more often, and uh, then you get to learn about Him. <laughs> so, good luck. You have some competition. Um, so, I, th I think the thing that I want to lean into, so the kids have sort of given us the theology. I think my question is like, so what do we do practically? So one of the things I noticed, so again, I was in the Philippines last week, like in our cultural moment globally right now, particularly on folks under 40, like people are not reading their Bibles, right? So what do we do with that? Are there practices that we can sort of adopt so that we can actually become people that are shaped by the scriptures. So maybe Aaron, you could sort of jump on that one. Like, are there practices that you have done that yes. you felt like, oh man, this was really rich. Like I, I got a lot out of it. Yeah, so I know, so for myself personally, reading is not something that like uh, 
is the natural way that I learned. And I found that through a lot of like really gritting things out, whether it be with school or, or the Bible. And found myself just being like, I'm just going to push through this. Like, I know it's important to read my Bible, and so I'm just going to do it. And um, what I learned really through my time in high school, but also and especially in college, is that like reading a paper Bible is not the only way to be hearing scripture or have scripture change your heart. And listening to, you know, audio scripture helped me a lot to be able to pay attention and really just like soak in what I, I was learning. And then also, and this might be very specific, but Claire, my wife, and I, um, Hi, Claire. Yeah. Hey, Claire. Yeah. Yeah, there she is. Isn't she beautiful? <laughs> Look at her. So uh, what we've been doing recently is we found this thing called the Read Scripture app, which some of you may have heard of, but it helps me a lot because it's, it basically just has scripture, but then embedded in there, they've, had, they've made all these videos that help with context. And it explains kind of what's going on. And I found times in my life where I felt like very dry in reading the Bible. It's oftentimes because like I lost track of what was going on or where I was in the big story of the Bible. And so every couple of days, you know, there'll be a video on there that we watch together that helps remind us where we're at in Scripture. It's good. So those two things, listening to audio Scripture and also um, we've been using the Read Scripture app to keep context straight. That's, That's helped us stay on track. Yeah, it's awesome. Jeannie, you got something for young family, families with little kids or for little kids? Yes, hi, good morning. So I would just start with grace and mercy abounds for you parents out there with small people that are sleep deprived and tired all the time and not sure how you're gonna make it through the day, that God is with you in those moments and he knows that sometimes if you can get through a verse that is just amazing and good job for you. Um, I would say as parents that one of the things that's most important is finding that community that you can actually study scripture with because you're likely too tired to really focus a lot on your own unless you're a better parent than I was at that stage. Um, Unlikely. I've seen her in action. She's good. I paid him to say that. No. Um, Yeah, so, and I would just say that making some kind of commitment, be that a five-minute commitment to read a specific scripture, or perhaps investing in a journaling Bible where you can doodle your way through scripture is also a great tip. And then in terms of your children, one of the things that um, I have a lot of thoughts on, and so you can ask me more about later, is choosing the right Bible for you as your family um, that is appropriate for your child given their stage of development. So there are a lot of things out there for kids, um, and one of them, I've put a couple down here. There's this great rhyming Bible, and this is perfect for toddlers. It tells the story in a rhyming way with accurate pictures. And then there's also my personal favorite for small people, the Jesus Storybook Bible. I'm not a huge fan of the cartoon Bibles in general, um, but I just think it's super important as parents that we teach children the appropriate image of what Jesus looks like because he was a real person. So there's something to just watch for as you're scanning the different choices. He should actually look like Jesus looked like or what we would think he to look like. So he's not blonde no. with blue eyes. Yeah, that yeah. kind of bothers me. Yeah. Um, 
And just that it's an appropriate Bible. Sometimes they cram a lot into a Bible that's meant for a preschooler, and a preschool's not going to be able to digest quite the same way. So those two are pretty awesome in that way. Um, and then I would just choose a time of day that is right for you as a family when you have a couple minutes and you don't feel rushed to read the scripture together. And it's short stories in most of these Bibles. Maybe it's before you send them off to school, sitting in the car. You have it there. You read that little bit to them before you send them on their way. Or maybe it's at dinner time or at bedtime. Choose something that can become a habit, a ritual. Because just like us, they need to have these practices start early so that they have a, a craving and a thirst and a hunger and that they're learning about Jesus in a, in a continuous sort of way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and for you, it can be sort of multiplicative. So as you're reading the Bible to them, you're reading the Bible too, right? Like, so it's like you're, it's sort of a leveraged moment. It's not just for them, but it's like, oh, you're in these stories. Like I remember reading the Jesus Storybook Bible and just being like, oh my, this is beautiful. <laughs> like some of the languaging, uh, it's just really profound. All right, Paul, I, I think one of the reasons I, I was really wanted Paul to be able to share too is I think, you know, if you've, let's say you've been reading the Bible for 20 years, 30 years, the stories now are really familiar. Like, what does it look like to really go deeper into the scriptures? Um, not reading it necessarily for the first time, but maybe the 50th time. How do you like really encounter the person of Jesus through them? That's one of the... Um enjoyments of being older is, is a history of reading the Bible, mm. of teaching it, and learning certain verses that hit you at certain moments in your life because of where you are and so forth as you teach or as you hear or you read a book, and then that is compiled as a library. So it's, it, I've, my time has become rich because of that, and um, I've always had my private time in the morning. Uh, first thing of, uh, re of praying and reading and uh, a little bit of solitude time to kind of digest and let God speak back to me mm. in terms of what I've read and what I'm praying about. Lately, I've been struck by um, Romans 8, 26 through 28, where, John, where, where Paul says that the Spirit prays for us when we don't know how to pray with groanings, and that God is there searching our hearts. And so this has become helpful to me as I approach prayer and study. First of all, I like to have a commentary. I've been using the N.T. Wright's, studying through the books of the Bible, I mean through the New Testament, because that gives me a few verses and a good uh, little lesson yeah. on, on what they mean and how they apply. but. To discover the fact that when I pray, as um, um, Dallas Willard says, in that verse 26, actually, there's a prayer meeting within a prayer meeting. The Spirit is praying for me within my own praying. Hmm. And that has given me, uh, opened me up to then think through, well, the implications of that, and what does God want to tell me through that? And, of course, the next second verse is, uh, 8.28, where all things work together to, for, for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And that's the whole package of, of how I want to approach prayer wow. and Bible It's study. deep. I could just listen to that for hours. It's awesome. Thank you. Um, so we're going to shift from Scripture uh, to prayer. So 
How do we incorporate rhythms of prayer? Let's hear again from the kids first. Before we go to bed, I pray with my family. I pray with my family too. Um, at dinner. I pray with my mom and my dad in prayer. Um, at bedtime and at dinner time, my mom and I pray. And in that dinner time, my whole family prays. Because Jesus loves us and he can um, hear you. To talk to God. To talk to God is what we answer. To talk to God. To talk to because you're praying to God. Um, so God can hear you and pray. I think it's important to pray because, um, you're talking to God and you're getting closer to Him. <laughs> so you can have a closer relationship with God. Love it. So, thank you kids. Thank you for your uh, theology on that. Appreciate it. So, prayer, you know, the kids are telling us it's about connecting to God. It's about getting to know God. It's about talking to God. Uh, so, if you could give, so this is sort of, you know, just sort of in the interest of time, one thing, one tip on prayer. What, what would that one tip be? Okay, so when I was thinking about this question before, um, I actually thought of something that my wife, Claire, has done during different seasons of her life. And we found, between the two of us, I don't know if anybody else has felt this way, but I will like, it's so, it sounds so silly to say it aloud, but I will pray for something. That thing will, will come to happen, and it'll almost be like, I'll be like, never mind God, like, it happened by coincidence, <laughs> you know, instead. Like, hmm. so I'm not, I'm like praying almost without anticipation uh, that God will actually enter into that and, and bring that good. to be. And so something that, prayer, that Claire has done um, is that in the morning she will sometimes like write down her prayers for the day, like maybe five things that she's praying for, and then pray for those things throughout the day. And then before she goes to bed at night, go through her list and see, like, hey, did God, you know, work in this thing? Did he progress it? Did he answer this prayer? And so it kind of, like, builds in this thought, like, not only do I want to pray for things to happen, but I also want to remember what I prayed for and then praise God um, for how he answers those That's awesome. prayers. That's great. Yeah. Sort of a morning, evening, how is God actually moving, answering rhythm? Super helpful. Yeah. Jeannie? So... <clears throat> So again, for you parents out there, um, I'm not sure what your experience is like, but before you had children, it's very different than after you had children. Can I get an amen? 
Um, and so in many ways, the things that you thought you could do before is different than you thought you could do after. And sometimes we'll choose to think, oh, just because I did it before, I can do it the same again. But fundamentally, children change you, change your life, change your understanding. So I would just say, just imagine it like you're training for a race. Maybe you used to pray a lot before you had children, and now you're back to starting from the beginning. So don't go out and run a 10K when you haven't walked a mile. So with prayer, just start with five minutes. See how that goes. Just sit still. Or try those moments in, those day, in the day that you can savor. Savor washing dishes. Savor changing a diaper. Invite the Holy Spirit into that moment. Often, I feel like my prayer for most of my young child-rearing days was, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. And he hears that. And just know that he's really with you in that. And then for the kids, um, again, I'm speaking for both kids too, I would just say it's really imp excuse me, important to build that ritual for them. So again, choosing that time of day. Often, as you heard the kids even share, you guys are already doing it, praying at dinner time or at bedtime. Um, and then as they get older, learning, helping them learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit. But for kids, it's learning that they know certain rote prayers. Um, you know, I edited the Now I Lay Me. So now my kids know, Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. May God guard me all through the night and give me sweet dreams until morning light. Or it could be something like our um, father. You know, they can learn that about six. So just those prayers that have been prayers of the faith for a long time are really important for us to learn and teach our children. That's good. Paul? Yes, I just, I'll follow on what I said before. I think that I've enjoyed being able to, during the day, kind of be in an attitude of prayer. That if I know something is difficult happening or I've lost something or whatever, I, I, can, I can just say pray, you know, very simply, Lord, help me with this. And when it's happened, when I realize that it's turning out okay, I can just say, thank you, Lord. Just, just a simple little under my breath recognition that God is with me and he's as close as my breath so I can pray uh, as I would talk to anybody. That's been very helpful to me. That's good. All right, this last one, we're going to do a word on community. So we'll hear again first from the kids. <laughs> I think it's important to have Christian friends because then you don't have to learn about God by yourself. Yeah, me too. Um, I think it's important to have friends that love Jesus because they love God as like the same amount as you. And if you didn't love Jesus, then I don't know. <laughs> So that you can all share about God together and, and um, relate to the same thing. Same so thing. So that you can know about, so that you don't know about God. I think it's important to have friends around you that also love God because, um, because there's more people to love God than just one. I like coming to Wellspring because then I get to play with my friends. I like going to Wellspring because then I then I get to eat junk food. <laughs> <laughs> I like coming to Wellspring so that I can have fun and play with my friends. <laughs> I love that one. 
the best. If you remember anything from the morning, it will be the comment about junk food. Yeah, but food, community, being together. Um, so if you had a, a Twitter length answer, so this is like 100, 100 words or less, 20-second uh, sort of answer, what would you say about really community? <laughs> no, not a micro-machine answer, not a fast, <laughs> lots of words. I'm uh, very passionate about this, and I love that we, this doesn't count towards my Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that we bring this into the same discussion as reading scripture and praying. Community, oftentimes we leave it out of that, like spiritual disciplines discussion, and it, it shouldn't be left out. It's just as important as those other two for our spiritual health and well-being. Start, start Twitter. There you go. It is a lie to believe that we are meant to be on an island by ourselves. When we don't read and we don't pray, we're not surprised that we feel distant from God. But sometimes when we're not in community, we're like, why do I feel distant? You know, like looking around, like I'm reading, I'm praying. What's going on? And it's because you're not in community and having friends to encourage you, this is going over, last thought. It's really good, though. I, after college, I had a period of time where I moved to Minot, North Dakota. I didn't know anybody. And I just kept thinking, and really the enemy was putting this thought in my mind that was like, yeah, you were really strong Christian. Like, you loved the Lord during college. My friend Ben from college is actually visiting with us this morning. And I was thinking about it this morning. But it was like, but now that you're alone, now we see your true colors. That's kind of what I thought. I don't know if I ever explicitly thought those words, but that's what I felt in my heart. And it's not true, and that's a lie. And I just want to call it out this morning before everybody. You're not meant to do this alone. It's not scriptural. And it's a lie to think that who you are when you're alone is who you actually are. Who you are when you're in good community and strong friendships, that's who you really are. So that's all I'll say about that. I could say a lot more, but friendship's important. It's deep. It's good. Um, just to echo off of that, imitation is the highest form of flattery, and your children are going to imitate you. So they're watching you. They're looking at you. They're watching you make friends or you not make friends. They're watching you go it alone or go with others. They will mimic you whether you like it or not. <laughs> um, so just know that. Know that you have a little audience with you, and if you want them to be people who reach out, who have friends in junior high, in high school, off to college, when they're struggling with their deep faith questions, they have to have seen you do that too. It will really equip them, and we will become like the friends we make. That's good. I think uh, Joan and I came to Mayflower when we had kids that, that age. And so Mayflower was the name of Wellspring. Yes, excuse me. Uh, historically, <laughs> yeah. It's good. Yeah. Paul's and been here 55 years. So for 53 of those, it was called Mayflower. Yeah. Yeah. And we grew up in this church spiritually and emotionally. And it was because of a group of young couples that brought us in. And we were like community. And that has just changed as time changes in your life. A group of businessmen working together to build, uh, to bring in a life to Monterey County brings community. Uh, we, we think we had a tremendous sense of community in the last three years here as we went through difficult times and we bonded together and we said, we are the church of God. And that brought community. 
Uh, we have been in community, Joan and I, with five other couples for 35 years that we get together uh, for a weekend every two, every, or twice a year, and it's a, been rich. Uh, it's coming to an end because we've lost two of those in the last year. Hmm. But it's as we've shared families, if we, we vacation together, who I am, who we are, is a product of all of these associations of community. Yeah, that's good. Maybe give them a round of applause. Grateful for their sharing. That'd be great, yeah. Yeah, if you could take them over there. So I think I just, as we, I'm going to invite the worship team up. They're going to, I'll get it, Paul. I'll get it. I'll get it when I go down. Um, oh, or Josh will get it. Um, just to invite you as we transition in worship, and even just during the week, I, I would really invite you to think about those three questions. What does it look like? What are the rhythms, habits that are shaping you when it comes to prayer? when it comes to scripture, and when it comes to community. Because at a deep level, those will be the three things that are going to shape you in profound ways, probably more than almost anything else. And God has something to say to you about every one of those things. And none of us has fundamentally arrived. None of us has like, you know, it's not like, oh, oh good, I, I got a pass. You know, it's not like a pass-fail. There's always an invitation to go deeper into relationship with God in prayer. There's always an invitation to go deeper marinating in the scriptures. And there is always an invitation to go deeper and deeper into community, whether it is giving or receiving in that community. As we enter into worship, I just want to kind of pray for us. I invite you that the reason we gather here is to connect with God together and to worship him. Whether we're on our own or together as a large family, uh, that is why we gather, and that is why we sing. So let me just pray for us as we lean in. God, we are grateful for the children. God, we are grateful for the youth. We are grateful for the young families. God, we are grateful for those who are in the second half of life, those who are retired. God, those who are nearing retirement, those who have been retired for many years and are our wise guides in this place. God, we praise you for the diversity of ages here. God, we praise you for this family that you have grown and nurtured over the last two years. God, you are holy and you are good. You are the Lord Almighty. And early this morning, God, we rise to sing of your might and your mercy. Let's stand and worship.